Hey, I'm Jordan. And I'm Ashley. We're the founders of For the Good, a community created to empower and elevate you to live a purpose-driven life. Our mission is to bring light into our world, and to do so, we have learned that it must start with it. We are so glad to have you here with us. Hi everyone, today I'm joined by Dr. Kristen Gersey, clinical psychologist who specializes in overcoming anxiety, depression, and identifying the life you want to live. Dr. Gersey, thank you for being here with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And with everything going on in the world as it is right now, we felt as though it is incredibly important to talk with you to provide people with insight on how to bring that healing into themselves through these difficult times. And I'd love to start with you sharing more about what brought you into this space of serving people. So I always wanted to get into some sort of a, a helping profession. So when I initially went into college, I was looking more into kind of the medical field. And then I had an opportunity to just take a, an introductory uh, psychology course. And I really kind of fell in love with learning more about human behavior and kind of like what makes people tick, um, reasons uh, how they can kind of overall develop better ways of kind of managing their overall emotional health and uh, just having those conversations with people and giving them a, a safe space to be able to kind of maybe explore things that they've never even really talked about aloud before. It's really interesting when you talk to people what brings them into serving people and psychology has always been really interesting for me too because like how you said it's interesting to know why people think the way that they do and just to be able to help them in the difficult times that they've experienced in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what brings people in for therapy, a lot of times, I think there's a misconception that you need to be in this kind of acute crisis type situation or to be able to kind of process maybe a specific event that has happened. But a lot of the times, um, people kind of come in just wanting to learn maybe a little bit more about themselves. They're kind of noticing and picking up that their kind of daily functioning isn't going as well as they would hope. And they're kind of going about their day in a way that kind of maybe get, brings them some difficulties. So to be able to have a conversation, not only about that, but then also about maybe some things that have occurred in the past that is making it a little bit more difficult for them. Do you find now that the stigma related to mental health is starting to bring more people in to talk about different things that they've either experienced or just everyday life in general? Yes, I absolutely think that the that the negative kind of connotations uh, that have been kind of associated within like our media about like therapy and going to a therapist has definitely um, lessened considerably over the last couple of years, um, especially in the population that I tend to work with, which is um, like older adolescents and young adults. And yeah, it's definitely more mainstream and more kind of accepting to be able to, to go to therapy and to be able to have that time for yourself because it is it is a form of self-care in a way that we take care of ourselves. Like we mentioned earlier, there's difficult times going on right now. So what are some healthy coping tools that you would recommend for people to be able to bring themselves back into a place of peace? Well, I, I think what has made it difficult for a lot of people, you know, myself included, is during uh, this, this pandemic, um, you know, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety about kind of the unknown, uncertainty which brings up a lot of discomfort. And I think when people 
feel something uncomfortable like sadness, depression, or anger, we typically use, you know, avoidance or distraction techniques. You know, we have our coping skills. And during this pandemic and with the shelter in place, we didn't have those. So we were kind of forced to sit with this discomfort, which was very unsettling for a lot of people um, because they weren't able to utilize maybe other techniques. So to be able to at least, I mean, just to even kind of talk about, I think was healing for a lot of people, just to kind of acknowledge that um, this is a very unsettling time. This is a scary time uh, for a lot of uh, businesses, people at work, they're losing their job, they're losing their insurance benefits. Um, I work with a lot of parents, uh, a lot of students that had to move back home from their university and kind of the, the upheaval of their everyday life that occurred because of that. Um, so to be able to just really just talk about how difficult the change has been, the adjustment has been, and the utility of our sense of control was also taken away as well. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, leaving the house was very frowned upon. So to really kind of help them identify things that they can do within their own control, like setting a, a daily schedule for themselves, you know, making sure you wake up at a certain time, making sure that you take a shower, you change your clothes, that you kind of have a, a daily schedule for yourself, even if you kind of have to stay at home, like making sure that you're getting all of your work done, having a, a separate space for that. Um, making sure that you're moving your body in some way, finding at-home workouts. I always encourage some sort of an exercise for people because I feel like that there is such a critical benefit of emotional health for that. And, um, and also maintaining some sort of a social connection for people, even if they were living at home, to make sure that you're reaching out to family and friends, doing kind of Zoom sessions, because it can be very isolative and lonely. During this time, there are things that may be out of our control, but it definitely helps when you put energy into something else. For me, I love to journal, and especially being the weather is getting nicer and nicer, just going for hikes and being outside and, and connecting with nature in that way, I found to be really powerful. Yeah, definitely. Also, it, that brings up a good point is kind of a looking into kind of more mindful or grounding activities. Like you mentioned, being out in nature, being able to kind of appreciate the, the outdoors, a change of scenery, something that's going to kind of bring you back into the present moment, because you're right, you know, we're not going to be able to necessarily control kind of these uh, global standing issues and concerns, but what we can do is bring ourselves back into the present moment so we don't get kind of caught up in all of those really anxious thoughts. And how important do you feel being aware of this mental health space is for people just to be able to be aware of what they are filling themselves up and consuming? Oh, I think it's critical. I mean, I think that's what a, a large you know, goal of therapy is to be able to really kind of critically look inward and identify that because I think it's for people that have maybe never... Uh, never explored kind of emotional wellness, whether kind of the messages that they were brought up in. Um, for some families that, you know, things like anxiety or depression kind of weren't even kind of considered to be real a thing. Um, so to be able to just have that non-judgmental conversation with themselves and to be able to accept their emotional experiences as just that. And for your clients, what do you recommend either for, like you said, the younger adults or the adolescents? What are some tips that you've been giving them during this time? Well, especially for people who had to kind of 
leave mid-semester um, to definitely I encourage them into whenever their class was scheduled to dedicate that time for their schoolwork to continue to go about their day more or less like if they were still in their dorm room if they were still um, if they were still attending classes even if they were online just so they wouldn't have to kind of tell themselves like oh I'll get to it later I'll get to it later but to really kind of still maintain that daily schedule if they were still in class. And then how about for the parents to be able to support not only themselves, but their children right now through my friends and family, they say that it's really been a struggle to be able to explain to their children, you know, what's going on and also to be able to support their mental health as well to make sure that they are doing well through all of this. Absolutely. Having that conversation with kids, I feel like can be very, um, a struggle. You know, I personally have a four and a half year old daughter who was taken out of her, of her preschool, um, you know, pretty soon after it happened in March. And to be able to kind of explain to her what was going on and what the quarantine was and just trying to give very kind of succinct information of like having to be out of school, but uh, the school was amazing and working with them and sending like videos. So we were still able to kind of touch base with that. Um, and to, you know, again, readjust your, your schedule and being a working parent, but then also having children at home of being able to find activities for them to do inside, but then also making sure you could get your work done. Definitely took a little bit more of a juggling act. Um, you know, luckily we had help so we can kind of switch off and on, but no, it was definitely a difficult way to kind of navigate this time but then also making sure that, that they took time for themselves. So I encouraged a lot of working parents to, you know, even though it wasn't ideal, but to wake up like an hour or two early before kind of the children wake up, just so they can kind of get as much of their work stuff or work emails done out of the way first, if they were able to, um, just so by the time that the children kind of came up, that they were able to kind of be able to attend to their needs, but still feel like they accomplished something for themselves through the day. And then just trying to do little snippets when they could. I believe all of this is so relevant, not only to, to what has been going on, but even in the future as well, just for people to learn and understand their resiliency builders and what really works well for them. So that way, you know, in the future, it may not be a pandemic, but something else difficult that comes that they can utilize it in that space too. Right. I mean, yeah, people were really kind of forced to, to really kind of identify like, all right, like we have to accept. And I think it was difficult even for me to like even accept what was kind of going on because it was such a stark change. So first and foremost, to be able to just kind of accept like, no, this isn't ideal. This is, uh, you know, can feel like it's very kind of inconvenient, but it's what necessary for, for what's occurring and to keep everybody safe. But then to also notice that this is temporary and whatever it's going to look like in terms of uh, the quarantine being lifted, it's going to eventually resume somewhat back to you know, normal life. But I think it really did force a lot of people to really figure out different coping skills that they can use. And I always like to encourage the people that I work with to get different kind of coping skills and coping strategies. Because if we can't have one, like I know a lot of people utilize, you know, something like the gym or being able to, you know, go out to a store, get their favorite meal, but then we didn't have that. So to be able to just kind of refocus or switch it up a little bit, just slightly looking at it in something of a different way, but 
to also, and then to tell people that you can adapt, you are resilient, um, which I think was very reinforcing for a lot of people that they were able to not just have this, well, if I don't have the gym, then I just can't work out. And like, you know, then I'm going to have all this built up. Well, no, I mean, it might not be doing certain things that you could just do at the gym, but you could also move your body in different ways and teaching people that kind of flexibility, I think is really important as well. We definitely learn how to pivot in all of this, just to be, but like I said, and it's also important too, I know for me, for the coping strategies that people have to remember that what works well for one person may not work for the other. So I think that people just have to try something and see what works and what fits. And when you have people come in and speak with you, one-on-one may not be a good fit for one person, but even community groups can be helpful. It really depends on the individual and what works well for them to be able to find that healing that they're looking for. Right. Yeah. I, and I always, I mention this kind of in the, in the first session, when I start working with people, it's kind of, you know, therapy is not a one size fits all approach. And to look at it in terms of how I work with people, different techniques, strategies, ways of going about every session is going to be incredibly different for each person and individual. And like you mentioned with the coping skills, those are also going to be very individual. So to be able to just kind of explore it in a more open-ended way and to think of coping skills, I used to liken it in when working with kind of younger younger people, younger adults, it's kind of like this toolbox of it like, and you don't wanna have you know just the, this one tool that you're going to have to be able to manage kind of daily stressors or different emotions. You're going to want to have a variety of different things that you can kind of pick up and nothing is going to be 100% effective 100% of the time. But to be able to kind of say, okay, like, you know, I can listen to music like you mentioned, or I can go exercise if I feel really anxious because that can kind of alleviate the hyperarousal that I feel. So yeah, to absolutely be able to identify different ways and strategies and to know that it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. I think also it's important to really kind of identify like giving oneself kind of grace and compassion, mm-hmm. even if they're going through a really difficult time, which which I know that some people are because this has kind of really turned everybody's world upside down. But to also prioritize being gentle on yourself and that you know no one is going to, for any difficult time, it, it's going to feel comfortable along the way. It's going to feel comfortable. Um, you might feel kind of helpless and hopeless. Um, and to really be able to accept that that helplessness and hopelessness, but then also recognize that it's temporary, that uh, the discomfort is temporary, that maybe the the thoughts that you're thinking are not facts. Um, I think that's also something that I think is important for people. They feel like, oh, this is never going to end. My life is my life is going to forever be changed. This is going to be horrible. But to also identify that thoughts are not facts, because I think when we think of something and we may worry about it we think of it as it being true sometimes. And and you really have to kind of take a step back and say, you know, I'm feeling anxious right now. It's okay to feel anxious. This is a really anxiety provoking time for, for myself, but it's okay to be anxious, but there's also things that I can do to make life maybe a little bit more enjoyable. What are ways that I can kind of be kind to myself during this time? Because reinforcing that struggle is just gonna kind of keep you further down. I love that you say, you know, just allow yourself to feel as you do. Jordan, I actually just recorded a podcast on exactly that. Just allow yourself to feel to heal. 
because mm -hmm. I believe that we live in a society that too often teaches us to just stuff our emotions in, that we're, mm -hmm. we're better off, you know, not talking about it. But as mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's an increase in people who are struggling in this space of anxiety and depression and related mental illnesses. So obviously that's not working out really well. I think right. that it's so important for us to feel as we do. And as you said, too, to allow yourself that grace and compassion that you need. And, and no, you know, I feel this anxiety and this is a moment, but I'm not going to let it allow it to be detrimental and hurt and hinder me in the future. But it's okay if I feel that right now, because it is a difficult time. All emotions are acceptable. It's kind of the way that we react to these emotions that kind of make it more difficult or can kind of give us trouble. But I, I, I do feel I completely understand that these like certain emotional experiences like anger, anxiety, sadness are kind of deemed as kind of these unacceptable emotions that we should try to avoid experiencing. So we end up playing kind of like a tug of war with ourselves and kind of feel guilty for feeling certain emotions, or we just try to kind of completely block away from kind of experiencing that. And like you said, you know, those emotions and our ability to not process them, if they don't just disperse, they kind of build over time. And then you start recognizing other ways that our daily functioning is really being impaired. Our relationships with others, our ability to kind of, uh, and how we treat or cope with them in order to kind of distract or avoid ourselves with them. And also just, they don't go away. Yeah. So to be able to really be kind of thoughtful about that and be able to say, you know, it's okay that I'm experiencing anger. You know, this is a, what is this emotion trying to tell me? You know, what is, what is this emotion? Why am I feeling anxious? Like, what am I identifying in my life that is making me feel like that? Why am I feeling angry? Are my boundaries being violated? Is that maybe a way that I need to maybe be a little bit more assertive in my relationships? But avoidance and distraction of emotions are short-term solutions. You know, I was just talking with Jordan about this. So my dad passed away in five years ago at the age of 53. And I went through a grief workshop. And there, there was a man who his girlfriend passed away over 20 years ago, and he was just now getting the help that he needed for it. I mean, since then he was married, had children, but it was always something that he just stuffed and tucked those emotions in. And then it just built up, built up over time. And now here he is 20 something years later looking for that help. So it is encouraging for people to know that it's okay to feel as you do, but you don't want to allow that to weigh you down from being able to move forward. Yeah, sometimes people feel that experiencing unpleasant emotions, which is why they kind of distract themselves, especially particularly with grief, is that they feel like once they're able to kind of process it, they're so scared that it's going to kind of take over, that it's going to kind of completely envelope their life. Or if they're working through that grief, then that means that the memory of the person kind of, you don't ever get over the passing of someone, but you learn to kind of live a life around it. And I think that that's also something that is a struggle for a lot of people too, to be able to kind of build a life around that and know that it's not a betrayal on that person's memory. That's really important for people to remember not only in the space of grief, but other trauma and hard experiences that people have out. So what are some benefits that you feel that people can get from therapy and sharing how they feel with somebody? I really feel like therapy is beneficial as it serves as a safe environment, holding environment for people to feel a lack of judgment over just exploring different aspects about themselves, um, about their relationships, how they can kind of improve their overall daily functioning, and then also identify ways of 
you know, what is valuable to them? How do they want to live their life? How is that different from how they're living their life now? What are some different ways that you can maybe tweak or make some changes or incorporate in your life that will make it a life that you want to, you know, truly be living? And I think that therapy and having, finding that person that you feel safe enough to be able to do so because it's going to be sometimes people take more than you know one time or seeing one therapist to kind of find someone that's really comfortable with and different styles of therapists are going to be great for different type of people my approach is very non-directive it's very kind of eclectic and the different techniques that I use and some people really like that and are benefited of that of just kind of I start out each session asking the same exact question each time. And then we kind of take it from there. But other people find a more directive approach. And it's really what the the person wants and what is going to benefit them in terms of what their therapeutic goals are. Having that comfort of that space, of that time that you set for yourself each week and having that stability and kind of talking point of that and that safe space of being able to feel accepted and heard because there's listening and there's active listening. And I think that therapists also are very adept at being able to really kind of critically, I mean, there's no other distractions. We don't have our phones out. We're just kind of two people, you know, sitting by each other and just really having you feel like you can say anything and that person is not going to judge you but you're just going to want to feel heard for that. And I think that that's really important for people to acknowledge as well. Dr. Gersey, thank you so much for being here with me today. Can you share a little bit more about where people can find you and connect? Sure. Um, I have a website. It is um, drkristengerseyphd.com and people can send me emails through that system. I also have an, an Instagram that's at drkristengerse that I typically like to post different things throughout the week. And yes, if anybody would like to schedule an appointment, I offer individual and marital therapy. My office is in Bloomfield Hills and I'm currently accepting new patients. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I know that I've always loved connecting with you on Instagram and seeing your inspirational posts. So I know that people are going to find so much value, not only by joining you there, but in this conversation as well. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. We felt it is important to bring to light these conversations on protecting our mental health, as it isn't just relevant for what we are experiencing in our world right now, but for everyday life. As always, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, review, and be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss a new For the Good episode. Have a great day, everyone, and make today count. Thanks for joining us at the For the Good podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Good Official and our blog at ForTheGood.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Remember, a positive mindset is the beginning of true happiness. Not just for the good of the individual, but for the good of the world.